Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, again, Pastor Weber, thank you for covering uh, last week and bringing us that wonderful word that even though we constantly break our promises to God and to other people, God never breaks his covenant promise to us, and he always keeps it in Jesus Christ our Lord. What a good word. In today's reading in the book of Genesis, as we've been journeying from Genesis chapter 1, and today uh, we're in Genesis chapter 19, we focused in on this one section detailing the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you know anything about this section of the Bible, this is probably the part that you know about. You can put up that slide. This is probably the part that you know about when fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and and Lot and his daughters uh, were able to escape. Now, you probably, even if you're a casual reader of the Bible, maybe you know this part of the story that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Uh, But there is a lot more to this story uh, that precedes it, giving the rationale uh, for the destruction. And there's also a lot of the story that follows up uh, after this destruction as well. Today in my sermon today, because of uh, the, the length of time, uh, I, can't, I can't tell you the whole story uh, today. And plus there are a lot of details to cover. So I would encourage you to go home and, and read these two chapters, Genesis 18 and 19. And frankly, also I'm not going to cover a lot of the details in detail today because frankly speaking, a lot of it we could say is rated R. <laughs> All right, plain and simple. Uh, But it's right there in the Bible for you. If you uh, want to see the details, uh, you can see it. But there are a lot of gross and horrific details about how wicked humans can be, in particular when they turn their back on God. But I do want to give you a high-level view of the story today to put it in a little bit of framework for you. So here it is. Last week, uh, when Pastor Weber preached to you, he preached about how these angels were sent from God to Abraham to tell Abraham and his wife Sarai that they would have a son and that they were to name him Isaac. Those same angels then uh, set their sights on Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy them because God had heard that they were a very wicked place. Well, Abraham knew that his cousin Lot, who had been journeying with him from the very beginning, but now kind of had his own place, he was living in Sodom with his family at this time. And so, uh, so Abraham begged God to not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if he could find righteous people. Well, God obliged and he promised that he would save the righteous people in that city, which was essentially Lot and his family. Well, these same angels, they leave Abraham's side and they go down to Sodom. And when they get to Sodom, Lot is hanging out at the city gate to Sodom, as was a common meeting place. And Lot offers to these angels, these these men of God, he offers them a place to stay and he offers them hospitality for the night. After a bit of reluctance, those angels actually go with Lot to his house. In the middle of the night, on that night, men from all age, all from the city, come to the house of Lot, and this is kind of where things get rated R. But the, basically, essentially, the wickedness, the wicked desires of the men of the city were so great, were so great, they were trying to push in on these men of God and, and, and on Lot. 
And so the angels strike back by striking the men of the city with blindness, and yet they pursue Lot and, and the angels even more so. And so the angels grab Lot and they say, Lot, you got to leave. You got to leave. God is going to destroy this. Lot, do you have family here? If so, go get them. So Lot goes to his family, uh, but even his sons-in-law, they think he's just joking. <laughs> they laugh at him. And so the angels realize that the destruction is coming, the wickedness is too great. And so the Bible says this, that they had to seize them and bring them out of the city. The men seized Lot and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Do you see the middle phrase there? The Lord being merciful to Lot. See this great destruction that's come upon this wicked valley, and yet even in the midst of destruction and judgment, God is still merciful. There is still mercy for God's people. God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of justice all at the same time. So it's Lot, his wife, and his two daughters that are essentially being dragged out of the town, and they're commanded not to look back at the destruction. Don't see your past. Instead, look forward. And as they're fleeing the city, Lot's wife can't help. And maybe you know this part of the story. She turns around, and as she turns around, she is turned into a pillar of salt. Just as a side note, uh, in my research for this sermon today, I came across uh, a number of really cool uh, archaeological finds uh, from this region and from this time period uh, you could go look it up yourself, but uh, there is, in, in where Sodom and Gomorrah were, right by the Dead Sea, uh, there, there uh, are some archaeological finds that, that show evidence of uh, a mass destruction by fire right at the same time period. So, uh, you know, when we talk about the validity of the scriptures, uh, we know that this is true. So this is what's left after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who's, who's left from that region is just Lot and his two daughters. But just so you know, the story of Lot and his two daughters also does not end on a happy note. If you don't know this, the end of chapter 19 describes once again that the wickedness of humans sparks immediately as Lot's own daughters seduce him in order that they can have children. You can read the details in the scriptures. They're there. How are we supposed to make sense of this story? <laughs> it's graphic. It's gory. So how are we supposed to interpret this thing? Well, thankfully, Jesus and other places in the Scripture are very clear in their application of it. Jesus is very clear in his application of what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. We read it in Matthew chapter 10 today, and Jesus says it multiple times in his ministry, the same thing. Jesus said these words, Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Jesus, he's speaking about towns or groups of people that remain unrepentant after they've heard the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Frankly, Jesus' point is very, very strong in that he says there is no reason for anyone to remain unrepentant. That means saying, I'm a sinner and I don't care. <laughs> 
There's no reason for anyone to remain in that place once they've heard of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is so clear in actually saying, for these people who've heard about the death and resurrection of Jesus and his grace and love for them, and they still remain unrepentant, Jesus says it will be worse for them on the day of judgment when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. It will be worse for them than it even was for Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't like to think like this, do we? I don't like to think like this. We don't like, we don't like to believe that God is a God of judgment. It just doesn't jive with our 21st century American understanding of God being supposedly just a God of love and peace and, and happiness. We do not like to think that God is also at the same time, because he is fair because he is gracious, he is also a God of justice and judgment for those who don't receive his word. You know, I don't, I don't think that most of us sitting in this room would consider ourselves to be all that wicked, <laughs> unless you're from Boston, in which case you are wicked awesome, you know, if you know anything about Boston, or, or maybe you paint your face green and dress up as a witch uh, after church, I don't know. But you, you, that's the reference to the the movie, or the play, The Wicked. All right, sorry. Most of us, I don't think, consider ourselves to be wicked people. Maybe you don't envision yourself as wicked, such as these people in Sodom and Gomorrah, but have you ever just paused to consider the seriousness of your sin? Do you understand, my dear Christian friends, the consequences the consequences that you and I deserve, what our consequences should be for our sin. If you don't understand what the consequences of your sin should be, then you'll never fully understand the beauty of what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross. Because just as Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their unrepentant wickedness, Jesus Christ was destroyed by the power of the cross for you. See, at a bare minimum, can you at least admit that you are not pure? That you are not perfect? That you need forgiveness? This is how great the love of the Father has lavished on us, that we should be considered children of God, and that is what we are the death of Jesus Christ is the destruction that we deserve. It is. The death of Jesus Christ is the destruction that we deserve. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their unrepentant wickedness, and Jesus Christ was destroyed for our sin. And so, on the cross of Jesus, our sin dies with him. This is good news for us. Because through the resurrection of Jesus, we rise to new life with Jesus. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is a story about repentance. It is a story about the importance of repentance. I don't know if you know this, maybe you do, but repentance literally means to turn away. Okay? That's what the meaning of the word. It means to turn away away. And so when we repent, what are we turning away from? 
Imagine that sin is here. When we repent, we turn our backs on sin and we turn to new life in Jesus. Are you willing to do that? To say, I don't want this in my life. God, take it away. Strip it away. I don't like this sin in my life. I need newness of life in you. It was clear what God said to Lot and to his wife and to his daughters. God said to his family, go forward. Don't look back. But Lot's wife looked back. She wanted to see. She wanted to see what lay behind. We don't need to look back at our sin. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who has finished the race for us. He's showing us the way. He is victorious, and so are we in his name. He is our deliverance. He is our life. As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, then we become more and more aware of what it is he is doing in this world, of bringing the good news of salvation to others and delivering them from their unrepentant ways. And Jesus invites us into that work as well. So will you join him? Don't look back at your sin. It's done. It's it's over. The things that weigh heavy on your heart that you've confessed today, Jesus remembers them no more. Leave them. Turn to Jesus and follow him every day of your life. In his name, amen. Amen.